Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Hello. Hey, Catherine. Um, it's book week. Your book comes out tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Congrats. It's, thank you. It is. Are you excited? How are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm excited, nervous. Um, you know, people. Hopefully, people say nice things about it, and if they say not nice things, then I don't have to hear them. <laughs> you're terrified. Uh you're you're submitting yourself to public scrutiny through publishing. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're kind of asking. I mean, you are quite asking for it. Like the publisher sends the book to reviewers saying yeah and they're like what do you think please 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 not only don't tell us don't just tell us what you think tell everyone yeah and and do not you know reviews are for the potential buyers of the book they're not for the author they're not meant to give me a fair hearing they're meant to be like is this book worth your time what would be the best review you could have um i think someone who sees what I was trying to do and has like <laughs> it, it, it le- felt like they learned a lot and had thought I don't know you are not selling your own book <laughs> the review you're describing is like well he definitely tried <laughs> okay well <laughs> okay well how about this I'm gonna give you a review okay. I haven't read your book but yeah. I'm gonna pretend as if I have um Jim Hamblin, a genius child doctor, has released his powerful treatise on the power and danger of microbes. We should all heed the warnings and lessons from this bright young man who is sure to be the voice of his generation. Hmm. And who wrote that review? Oh, um, Terry Gross. Oh, well then. You know, she did not have me on her show, ultimately. I remember you got pre-interviewed for Terry Gross a few weeks ago. Like, the producer called you, and then and then they didn't book you? Yeah, we talked for like an hour and a half, and I thought it was going well. <laughs> One of those things, you know? Right. I have an idea. How about, since you never got to be on Terry Gross, how about we do the Terry Gross interview that you wish you'd had? Okay. Let's do it. Right now. That would be great. You can be Terry Gross. I'll be Terry Gross. You'll be the fantasy version of you that actually got invited to be on Terry Gross. That would be an honor. Terry Gross probably would have read your book, but I haven't. So just forgive that. Um, Okay. Today we have Dr. Jim Hamblin, author of the new book, Clean, the science of, what's it called? The new science of skin. The new science of skin. In this book... Dr. Hamblin discusses the history and science of microbes and soap and stuff. Hmm. Um, you are losing it, Terry. And he, and we're going to discuss this challenging book, which has an interesting timed release in the middle of a pandemic. Do- Dr. Hamblin, welcome. It's an honor to be here. Longtime listener of the show. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Dr. Hamblin, let's start with the title of your book clean. What does it mean to be clean? 
You know, clean started as a religious concept and with a strong moral valence, and it didn't become associated with health and hygiene in any real sense um, until we learned about germ theory. Uh, you know, about 150 years ago. And that's been a slow growth of a lot of habits and practices that we sort of associate vaguely with health and hygiene and preventing infectious disease that we tend to associate with the word clean. But in many common uses today, that it's actually just a sort of a, a judgmental term that we use to uh, say who is acceptable and who is not. What was the first recorded instance of the concept of cleanliness it's in every culture in the book uh clean which is out tomorrow i trace this uh i trace its origins in a lot of places either variations on cleanliness or purity were part of rituals um including the aztecs sort of uh, bathing people uh before killing them just to make sure that the person was pure uh obviously baptisms and similar ceremonies are common in many religions and the point of such cleansing was never to remove microbes there was no idea of what microbes were and there wouldn't be for a long time Mm -hmm. what made you want to write a book about cleanliness and why is it coming out during a time of extreme fear over germs well i didn't plan the pandemic I started... That's a relief to hear. Yes. Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) I started working on this back in 2015 Mm -hmm. um, when there was some interesting new science coming out around the microbes that live on our skin. And at the same time, there was a lot of popularity of this no poo movement. That's shampoo. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it all came together in a story that I did... For the Atlantic, that was sort of centering on this skin probiotic company. And for it, I went all together without showering, even though I'd been I'd been kind of leading up to it in this minimalist, like doing less and less way. And then I tried to see if I could just go with absolutely nothing. And uh, that got me into this idea of wondering why we do the things we do and how much of it is really associated with health. And I spent the last few years tracing those ideas and trying to break down the concept. And I finished writing it at the end of last year and books just have a long lead time. And then this pandemic happened and I did not anticipate it, but it also really holds up. What does it mean to be clean today? Are we too clean, not clean enough? (laughs) <laughs> Terry, if I may, when you Please. use that word Doctor. clean, what could you define it? Mm, clean. Germ-free, I yeah. think, is usually what I think of it. Like, sort of like soap, post-soap. Sterile, right. Sterile. Well, that's Sterilized. a very interesting idea, you know, that soap kills germs. Which it, it does, right? No. What? <laughs> no. Soap is a fatty acid that is combined with a base and heat and results in this product that you see as a bar of soap. It can 
become liquid depending on what kind of oils you use, but that's all it is. Anything else that's added to a soap makes it not a soap. So like Dove is not a soap. It's a beauty bar because it has an emollient in it. And a soap is just a collection of these molecules called saponins that will bind to an oil on one end and to water on the other. So when you have, say, syrup on your hands and it's real sticky and it's not coming off with just water, you put soap on there and it like miraculously washes it off because one end of that molecule binds to the sticky, fatty syrup and the other binds to the water and it washes away. Maybe syrup's not the best example, but you know, an oil, a grease. For me, it would be motorcycle oil since <laughs> I, Terry, love to ride my motorcycle. Yeah. So the idea that soap kills microbes on your hands is uh, not accurate and potentially bad because the act of removing microbes from your hands comes from a combination of scrubbing, water, and soap. You know how people are asked to wash their hands for 20 seconds or to sing happy birthday or something? Yes, sing happy birthday twice. Right. Um, you wouldn't have to do that if the soap was killing the virus, like a hand sanitizer, you know, which is killing microbes. The act of washing hands is really about scrubbing, that mechanical force of removing just whatever is on your hands. And that's why it's important. But, you know, you're also washing off the oils and whatever other microbes were on your hands at the same time. I thought the soap disintegrated the virus walls. Um, it can because they have some fats in them. But that is not the primary action. This is, it's really about scrubbing and about washing everything off, that whole layer. So would you get the same result without soap? It would be much, much better to wash your hands without soap than to not wash them at all. Sure. Yeah. But if you have a choice of soap or no soap? Oh, yeah, use soap. But it doesn't do anything? If you just cover your hands in soap and then kind of hold them under the water for a moment, you're not getting your hands washed. You might be better able to feel it with toothpaste. You've probably brushed your teeth without toothpaste. I have. Yeah, and it's certainly better than nothing. It doesn't have that, you maybe not have that minty freshness, but that mint it isn't, is a product of what's in the toothpaste. It's not, doesn't mean your teeth are actually cleaner. Um, most of the work of toothbrushing is done by the mechanical force, and we should think of hand washing the same way, as the toothpaste will sort of help remove any really sticky stuff that's clinging, but uh, the brushing is, is the thing. Got it. So if the virus is sort of lodged in oils on your hands, then it is really helpful. Yeah, it's like if you could put a, a, gl like a glob of toothpaste and you just put it on your teeth and let it sit there, you know, your teeth wouldn't right. really get clean. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's okay. a combination of things. Um, combination. So so the all the all none of the advice we're getting right now is wrong. It's all like definitely wash your hands with soap for a long time, but make sure to really scrub. Yeah, exactly. So we're in a moment where we're all staying inside as much as we can. We are all trying to avoid contact with surfaces and other people. That is protecting us from coronavirus, which is the most important thing to do right now. We are probably more sterile than we would be otherwise. Is it a wholly good thing? Like, is there such a thing as too clean? It, it seems that there is. You know, all those microbes all over you are, are serving some purpose in shaping your immune system, especially when you're young. 
Um, but we know that people who have diverse skin microbiomes, just like gut microbiomes, um, have lower incidences of skin conditions like acne, eczema, psoriasis. Those are all, all associated with sort of imbalances of these microbes. And those are autoimmune conditions. Yeah, right? exactly. So the immune system that flares up in those conditions, it's really one in the same with these microbes. It's not separate from. The microbes shape the immune system. And when you are exposed to certain things, it learns, you know, I should tolerate this microbe being here. I don't have to flare up and try to um, mobilize all these inflammatory molecules to get it off because it's totally fine. And this is a radical oversimplification, uh, but if if your body is not exposed to those things, it's more likely to overreact, just, you know, like a food allergy. Have you've heard of the hygiene hypothesis? No. Uh, well, it's been around since the 80s, and some people don't like the term now. I think biodiversity hypothesis is a preferred one, and it is not because it's not that hygiene is good or bad, but that when you don't have biodiversity in your environment and in your exposures as a youth, you are at higher risk of uh, allergic and inflammatory conditions like like food allergies, uh, like eczema. There's a famous study, and one of the people I, I talked to in the book did, uh, it was a, a, in the New England Journal of Medicine, it looked at Amish populations, and they just don't have the same rates of these allergic disorders that genetically similar populations do that have embraced the indoor urbanized lifestyles that you and I have. And Amish people live, uh, spend a lot of time outdoors and also keep the animals that are very, very close to their houses, uh, often adjoining. And so they're exposed to soil, they're exposed to all different kinds of species. Um, there are hygiene practices, but it is not an isolated, sterile lifestyle like living in a uh, skyscraper in New York. What is the theory of these inflammatory conditions that if you're not exposed regularly early enough and your immune system doesn't learn to tolerate these things that when you are exposed to things later it overreacts and attacks itself or attacks things that don't need to be attacked yeah yeah that's exactly it that it, you might um, have this microbe on your skin or this imbalance of microbes on your skin that causes your body to go into immune overdrive and we know this happens in the gut too with the with the gut microbiome um you know, we thought it was going to be really simple. We could just, oh, it's it's this one microbe. And if we can just get rid of that one, we can solve this problem. But it turns out, like, the only consistent pattern is that people who've had diverse arrays of exposures, especially in youth, have these immune systems that are just kind of <laughs> more chill. They're better at identifying what's actually a problem and what is not. So being too clean makes your immune system paranoid. Yeah, well, that's the theory. It's possibly even more so just our environments that we've created. So even if you stop showering in New York these days, it doesn't mean that you are really exposed to a healthy mix mm -hmm. of microbes. You would need to go out and lick a field <laughs> that animals graze. That is where um, when you start to give in, get into practical tips, it becomes difficult, right? Because there's a lot of pollution and... There are pathogens, and uh, there's not a lot of undisturbed 
microbial environments where you can safely suggest doing those things without uh, exposing your kid to something dangerous. So the best you can say is kind of generally that if you wanted to move to a farm, there's this thing called the farming effect. There's also, also the sibling effect where people with more siblings have fewer of these conditions. People with pets have fewer. Um, so it's this collection of things. And then probably eating you know, foods that are higher in microbes. Like we, I wrote about this in the Atlantic too, but uh, fresh produce is sort of a quote unquote natural probiotic. There are microbes inside of an apple that you're getting exposed to that are not there once you've turned it into apple juice. Um, mm -hmm. All these things together will help to create that healthy biome and healthy immune system. And I guess it's sort of relevant to the pandemic then that, you know, it is people's immune systems overreacting that are ultimately causing a lot of the harm and chaos that you're seeing with this disorder. And I would not be surprised. We obviously don't know this yet, but if longer term, it proved that, you know, people who had fewer immune conditions and just generally healthier, more diverse exposures to microbes throughout life, non-pathogenic microbes, that they had more tempered responses to this virus. The temptation I'm having here is to think, well, I should go out and expose myself to a bunch of stuff to build up the immune system. But is it too late for me as an adult? Um, I mean, I don't think you, that just doesn't sound like you, Terry. <laughs> I, I should just hop on my motorcycle and drive out in, and do some camping with some animals to build up my immune system. Yeah, it's eat, sort of... Eat from the land. <laughs> um, I think it's maybe like learning an instrument at a later age of life or a second language, that it's just your your body is very impressionable at a young age and kids can learn like 80 languages and then no big deal for them. And it just gets harder because you're sort of more set in your ways, you're imprinted upon, your system is going to keep reacting, uh, you know, in, in the ways that it does. Um, it's not to say things aren't changeable. It's not to say you can't learn piano or or switch careers or some such, but it is more difficult to do well my dr hamblin my plan my terry gross's plan for retirement is to become a professional motorcycle racer i don't know why i'm doing this motorcycle thing i don't even know what it is, <laughs> but i'm just saying it i like the idea of terry gross on a motorcycle it yeah makes me happy okay um so we should be really clear about this you're not saying that people should expose themselves to more things like what what is the sort of lesson for adults and then we'll talk about kids yeah i think exposing yourself to things is good right um if you can get out and in safe ways especially right now we need to be vigilant about any such recommendation but um in normal times being around other people being around pets being outdoors um being exposed to nature it are the general patterns that keep the immune system healthy and yet be extremely careful about coronavirus. Yeah, about your hands, definitely. <laughs> you mentioned that like, most of the sort of training of the immune system happens in childhood. Right now, where kids aren't in school, um, they're not seeing people, they're not going out and about as much. What's the consequence of that? I think it's similar to the consequence of kids not being exposed socially to other people or not seeing the world as much. 
there are going to be longer term consequences to that, which we don't know exactly how to predict yet. But we know that kids like <laughs> kids end up more worldly and grounded and intelligent when they've had a broad array of experiences in childhood. Right. And it's analogous to think about the biome and immune system in the same ways. Um, I wish I could tell you how that will play out. I'm not suggesting that people <laughs> give up any of the targeted practices that are being advised right now, masks, hand washing, distance. But I think it can be overdone if you are, you know, kind of sealed inside your home 24-7. <laughs> it wouldn't be good in myriad ways. So how should a parent approach this moment where it's incredibly important that they keep their kids safe from coronavirus, that they're not unnecessarily exposing them or the people that the kids are connected to, to this virus. And yet we need to be aware that remaining completely isolated and not being out in the world and being exposed to other people may have long-term consequences on their immune system. How, how are you supposed to navigate that trade-off? I think thinking about the effects on the immune system are probably secondary to the effects on just normal childhood development that people need to see and meet uh, people who are different from them in order to be able to function in today's world. So it's threading of a needle between how do I get my kid so they're socially, you know, have been exposed to other human beings and know how to interact with people and yet also are not in danger. And that's where you're targeted about these interventions that people are wearing masks. I mean, I know it's tough for little kids to do, but the best that we can, that we have good ventilation, that we're choosing appropriate settings in which to interact with people and, and to travel, and that we're washing hands and cleaning these high touch surfaces really well, while not going so far as to, you know, become radically isolated or feel like you can never see anyone or go anywhere or do anything. Um, your idea of clean can't mean totally isolated, totally sterile, because that is not, you know, you need a definition of clean that embraces complexity and plurality and diversity. And that is where the term genuinely becomes synonymous with health. I think that's a great place to end it, Dr. Hamblin. I really appreciate you being here and taking the time, and it's frankly um, an honor for me, Terry Gross, to talk to you. Well, I'm glad um, I could do you that honor. Dr. Hamlin's book is called Clean, the New Science of Skin, and it is available at all retailers tomorrow. Um, Dr. Hamblin, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Terry. This Show was produced today by Alvin Melleth. You can write us at socialdistanceattheatlantic.com uh, or call us at 202-642-6487. And if you would like to support all of The Atlantic's journalism, please do that at theatlantic.com slash support us. That'll get you a subscription to The Atlantic magazine. <sighs> we'll see you next week on Fresh Air. Our weirdest episode yet. I, I want to be, I want to say one thing. Terry Gross is an inspiration and they love her. Yeah. And this is meant in, as a respectful homage. Oh, yes. There, there was nothing disrespectful there. 
other than that you were like radically less prepared than she would be. And you didn't ask about my childhood. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot. Dr. Hamblin, you attended medical school when you were a child and you're, you're still very young. Do you think that kind of pressure to succeed as a toddler continues to affect you today? <laughs> Bye. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander, or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.